Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome back to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to help you think about and take your business to the next level. This particular series is supported by professional remodeler, Nary, as well as certainly our friends at Service Finance, as well as Surefire. Uh, today, I'm going to be talking about a topic with a very special guest, uh, a friend, and certainly an expert within an element of this industry that's very, very important, and that his name is Dave Anderson. He is a senior vice president with Service Finance. They are uh, one of the larger financing organizations that work with individual contractors as well as remodelers and home improvement folks. Uh, so. Dave, let's get in, dive into the conversation today. I, uh, I want to, uh, you know, kind of make this a conversation that's focused a little bit more based on uh, kind of a history lesson. I think while, you know, remodelers and home improvement guys are experts in construction and some of them in design, they're not necessarily experts in kind of the evolution of, of uh, financing. Uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, some of the differences and why some companies are more successful and less successful with financing. So, you know, let, let's go back to the beginning uh, and, and talk about financing. And when, when was it, Dave, that, you know, financing really became kind of an important and integral part of kind of remodeling and, and, and home improvement in your mind? Well, that's interesting, Mark. Thanks for asking. Um, you know, I, I've been in the home improvement space now for about 23 years, going on 24 years. I will tell you, when I first got in the home improvement space, uh, what we've seen and what my experience was, the specialty remodelers had a very high, uh, what we call penetration rate or a percentage of their sales that were done on uh, financing options. When we looked at several other industries, for example, uh, the heating and air space, at that time, only about 30% of those contractors leveraged financing. So we definitely see a different adoption rate based off uh, the industry, or I'll say the, the subsegment of the industry is which they serve. So why do you think the specialty, I mean, I think sometimes think of the specialty as being almost the tin man error that in the 70s that got into it. Why do you think the specialty uh, community or oftentimes what we call the home improvement type of uh, businesses, the windows, doors, siding, why do you think they had so much traction and penetration early on? I, I think you hit the nail right on the head when you said specialty somewhat was associated with the old tin men. Uh, back in the infancy of uh, exterior remodeling, and let's call it specifically uh, siding, I had the, the opportunity to work with an individual whose father claimed to have been the first siding salesperson. And really, he was a roofing salesperson that was selling a roofing job. And the customer said, was there any products he knew of that would stop the wind from blowing through the lap boards on the side of her house? And uh, as the story goes, he sold her roofing shingles, not only on the roof, but also on the vertical wall of the building that would stop the wind from coming through. And out of that, they claim the siding industry was born. But a lot of this was door-to-door -door selling 
where customers may not have planned on making the purchase initially and may not have had the opportunity to set aside financial resources to make that that purchase. Interesting. So do you think also that the financing was a little bit more conducive to the scale of the type of project? You know, uh, let's say a, you know, a $10,000 project versus a thousand dollar or a 10,000 versus a hundred thousand dollar project. I don't see the price point of the project being a motivating factor. And, and my, my decision on that is really based off what I see in the marketplace. Think of your home improvement stores. Think of your big box retailers, your electronic stores, Many times they're offering financing on purchases as low as $299. And they do that for a reason because it generates for many of those billions in incremental revenues. Uh, but you got to ask yourself at a $299 price point, do we really think consumers don't have any other means? And, and I would argue the answer, in my opinion, to that is no. I think it's more of a, of a matter of convenience that people don't want to spend their money and taking advantage of some form of special finance promotion gives them the justification to do what it is that they want, which is generally to own or consume that particular product or service. You know, it's interesting going back slightly, Dave, to the the different cultures of selling financing. And I think back in my history, which has been uh, uh, happily or sadly a little bit longer than yours, but I think about some of the folks that, you know, that I've run across over the years that come from, you know, different verticals the, that were in the automobile sales, as an example, and became home improvement or remodeling sales. And that particular community, you know, auto sales, I mean, can you even imagine, you know, nowadays, just people don't generally pay cash when they go out and buy an automobile, you know, but what what you created in there was a, a culture of salespeople that knew how to communicate and sell with financing. So are there other verticals besides automobiles that potentially have maybe created the right culture for selling financing? I, w- I would say that you you you're absolutely spot on when you look at the automobile industry. Uh, let's talk about that for a second, if that's okay, Mark, because I think it's an, an, a very important point that you brought up. It's not uncommon that I'll encounter somebody who sells a high-end product. When I say high-end product, every product has a price range, whether it's automobiles or whether it's kitchen and bath remodeling or whether it's an exterior product like a siding or a roofing or a window product. Every product fits somewhere on the price scale within that product. So I could be the entry level, the midline, or the high end. And many times when I start getting to the upper end of the price range uh, that I run across companies and or salespeople who are under the perception that their customers are cash buyers and they're affluent buyers. But when you look at what the luxury automobile industry has done, They've dramatically expanded their their market, the the amount of consumers in that space looking for automobiles that can buy a luxury automobile through the advent of low payment financing. And really what it is, it's it's basically about a three and a half year lease instead of a five, six or seven year loan term. 
it drops the payment dramatically where they can they can drive a much more expensive automobile as compared to something that might have been in their price range if shopping purely off price. Um, so they they they've been the masters at it, and and I would say out of force of survival. If they weren't able to make their product affordable, there are many people who just simply could not afford to consume their product. And so they are probably the pinnacle and the starting point of where it really originated. But if we look at it, you you can't see an advertisement in the furniture space, whether entry-level furniture or high-end furniture, that probably is not promoting some type of special finance options. And the same thing goes for the flooring space. Uh, so when you look at most major industries, whether electronics, flooring, furniture, jewelry, um, it's there. In fact, you can't go change your cellular phone service without being walked through the options of new phones and data packages where everything is communicated in terms of what it adds to your monthly bill, not in terms of what the actual sales price is on those services. So it's it's pervasive through all products and services we consume to the point that we don't even generally think about it as consumers. We just really expect it. You know, a topic that I want to discuss, and, you know, I think for some may be a little bit fuzzy, for some being more clear on this. I know uh, in the world that you're in, Dave, you see both both of the sides of the aisle, so to speak, of those coming from home improvement or specialty versus coming from full service or design build. And, uh, you know, what's interesting about it is, uh, you know, on the specialty or the uh, 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 home improvement side of the equation, some of the most successful companies out there are financing, you know, 60, 70, even 80% of their projects. Whereas on the full service, And the design build, you know, it's not uncommon, whether it's a referral to a bank or whether it's, you know, other sorts of forms handled internally, that it's, you know, less than 5% gets financed. So help me kind of reconcile that. Why do you think that is? That's a very interesting question. And it's, I think there's probably several variables that, that drive that output. And, and here's why I say that. When I go back to my time in the home improvement space, as I mentioned earlier, the specialty remodeler guys, generally speaking, all understood the value and importance of providing comfortable and easy payment options because they knew that without it, they were less likely to make the sale. Back in those days, the heating and air space didn't have that much great of a penetration. It was probably one out of three contractors. Fast forward now to the year now, literally 2021, and we find a vast majority of the heating and air contractors over this last 20 years have realized the importance of integrating financing into their sales uh, tool so that it helps facilitate the sale at the kitchen table. We are seeing that that delay in the HVAC space, we're now still seeing in other spaces like design build. Why do I see that? Well, I think a couple of things. I think ticket price and the average contract amount, as they go up, there are fewer and fewer customers in a financial position to write a check for it, or fewer customers, I should say, who are unwilling to write a check. They may have the money, 
but the money is more important to keep in their bank account than to make the purchase. And as we've seen the ticket sizes rise in, in, in heating and cooling equipment, uh, then I think it's put a little bit more pressure on the contractor to offer payment options when they, they provide that price. I think we're starting to see that in the design build space as well. And I even wonder if it's also not because of some overlap. And, and let me ask you this, as we see design build companies expand outside the interiors and start to provide services in the exterior of the home, um, we're now finding that they are going up against new competition, the, the uh, specialty remodeler, where uh, they might not have gone up against that particular company if they were strictly, strictly sticking with something on the interior, like a kitchen or a bath. Do you think that might have something to do with it, Mark? Yeah, I, I do. I do think that, um, you know, what the companies, as they grow and they start to diversify, they kind of play in different arenas. It's kind of like if you have a restaurant uh, that's a fine dining and then all of a sudden you're going to compete in carry out or in lunch menus or fast food even, you know, all of a sudden the game and the rules of the game are really different. And if the rules of the game are different, you have to have the right tools to be able to compete with them. So I would say what's interesting is those full-service design build firms that have gotten involved in some specialty-type work are starting to adopt more financing tools because those are the tools that are required for that game that they're presently playing. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I agree with you from that perspective. I, I Another thing that I think is going on is – as word gets around and they find out what the competition is doing and the type of volumes that the other contractors are doing, the question then begins, how are they doing it? And then how do I replicate that within my own organization? And as they see other contractors leveraging the power of, of finance options or payment options, as I like to call them, to help increase revenues, I think that opens up the awareness that while as a contractor, I may not have thought it was important to my operation or my customers, but when I find out my competition's doing it, it then opens the question to, is there something more to this than what I initially thought? And should I be looking to replicate what others are doing successfully within my own organization? You know, I think that's an excellent point. Even going back to, you know, kind of the automobile industry, can you imagine you know, going to two, three different dealerships and one offers financing and the other one doesn't, uh, would that influence ultimately who you would buy from? And quite frankly, even paying a little bit of a premium for that company that offers the financing versus not. Uh, and I think, you know, similarly, I think that's been uh, it, it, it's been fine tuned, certainly in the specialty community but not the full service. You know, there's another element that I think, Dave, exists with the full service folks that the specialty folks have cracked the code on. And that is they look at the cost of, of the financing as just a cost and not something that uh, has to be uh, uniquely borne by uh, the particular client that is 
financing it, they would build in the cost of financing. And to make the financing more attractive, the company has to pick up some of the tab of what the financing costs. And, you know, I think a lot of full service folks out there, they think, oh my goodness, you know, why would someone want to be paying, you know, nine, 10, 15%, whatever the credit, whatever the rate is, of course they don't want to pay that. So as a result, especially in full service companies said, look, let's create a financing kind of package that's more favorable for the client. We will pick up the cost or build in that cost in terms of our business cost or model so that it makes it more favorable for the homeowner. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I know you live and breathe that every single day and maybe help folks understand that they have to have a shift in the mindset here. And at the end of the day, it's about how do you increase close rate and do what's best for the client, not necessarily an internal business cost. You know, that's such an important aspect of offering payment options for your customer. The biggest growth we see, even with what we call, you know, finance savvy contractors, people that understand the value, they understand how it helps them. The biggest growth we generally see for them and for their salespeople is when the company realizes the value of what I call dollar cost averaging. That's where you take the cost of financing and you factor it in over your total cost of goods sold, where the customer pays the same price, whether they write a check for it, charge it on their Visa card, or whether they take advantage of the special financing being offered. Where also the salespeople make the same commission, irrespective of how the customer chooses to pay for the project. And that's so important because when you're not dollar cost averaging, the, the cost of financing is billed to the job. And many salespeople will try to prejudge a customer and decide this customer is going to be interested in financing, but that one's not. Um, because they think that they show up to a nice house and the guy's driving a Range Rover and they say expensive car, expensive neighborhood, I'm going to insult him with financing. But what they don't realize is that customer most likely bought that Range Rover off the $799 payment, not off the $106,000 price tag. So, you know, when we go to dollar cost averaging, there's no disincentive for the salespeople. Now, I think for the contractor, what that means is that the close rate goes up, and the one thing we do know about financing is that the finance transaction generally runs a significantly higher gross ticket than does a credit card or a check or cash finance or transaction, I should say. Uh, in fact, there's even a discrepancy in the ticket size based off what type of financing you do. The lower the monthly payment, the higher the average ticket size is for most contractors. So it's an important distinction where a contractor can increase not only the number of transactions his, his salespeople are closing, but when they do close them, that the finance transactions generate a much higher average contract amount than will the cash and credit cards. The other thing, let me just piggyback real quick, and, and I'm going to ask you a couple of questions on it, is the other aspect is that financing is a cost of doing business. 
Um, it, can you imagine a contractor who said, I don't want to pay for advertising or let me call it marketing, right? Because there are many times of advertising, but marketing expense. Without marketing, we don't have leads. Um, and so the same philosophy, I believe, holds true in the area of financing. You pay the marketing expense and realize you, the need for marketing to have customers to present your products to. But when you have a customer to present your product to, why would we not want to present our product in the most affordable fashion, which would be some form of low payment option or some form of no interest option to create an attractiveness and a reason why they should pull the trigger and do the overall project, right? Yeah, I, I think what's interesting is the specialty and and uh, home improvement community has built in a a a kind of a mindset of offers because they know based on their sales process, if they can get a lead, they're gonna have X percentage chance. So that lead is critical to what they do. So therefore they build in offers and one great offer that they can integrate in, of course, is wrapped around financing. And obviously, you know, companies like yours, Dave, you have offers with that are almost, kind of no-brainer type of offers. I know even, you know, a last vehicle I bought was a Tesla. And, you know, and it was a relatively expensive car. However, when I bought the car, they offered a financing that was a little over 1% financing. And I thought to myself, what am I, an idiot? Of course I'm going to do that, you know? And if you can make it so favorable, and that's what the home improvement folks have done, make it so favorable that it's not only a direction that they go, but it's also a reason to call you in the first place. Yes, and what I like to explain is what you just elaborated to on your experience with the Tesla is the, the, the dealer in this case, or the contractor in our world, giving you a logical reason to justify what you wanted to do. You see the Tesla, you like the Tesla for a variety of reasons, whatever the product might be. But when you look at the price point, it's easy for a lot of people to say, what am I thinking of spending this kind of money? But when we piggyback that with a, an attractive payment option, whether it be a low payment, a, in your case, a low interest rate, or any some form of no interest firm financing, all of a sudden the customer uses that to satisfy the justification for doing what emotionally they want to do. They want the new bathroom, they want the new windows or the new roof, they want the new car. But when they see the price point, many times what I find it's about four times higher than what in their mind they thought it was going to run them. And so at this point, they're struggling with the price. And it doesn't really matter whether the contractor's at the entry-level range of the price scale or the high end of the range of the price scale. It's still going to cost three to four times what the consumer was expecting. So it's really not the dollars that we're asking for. It's the fact that it's 3x or 4x uh, more than what the customer thought they were going to be asked to spend. And that's what stops most customers from moving forward. Yet they want the product or service. And by providing them a way to justify it in their own mind, whether it's a lot lower per month than what I was expecting, or the monthly cost is not very high, then all of a sudden they pull the trigger and they say, yes, they'll do it. 
You know, one of the interesting things is I've worked with both of the camps, home improvement as well as design, build, and full service, is that the home improvement and the specialty folks, they make the integral, make the financing discussion, talking about financing, they make that very much an integral part of the offering, where the full service, it's more what they get to ultimately the budget, and then they ask the client, how were they thinking about paying for it or financing it? You know, and at that point in the process, they're kind of shell-shocked, is your point, with the level of investment that's involved. And therefore, they're not feeling that comfortable wanting to go with financing alternatives, whereas the home improvement people, they start that discussion much earlier on. Maybe since you do a lot of training to that community, Dave, maybe you can touch on kind of that methodology uh, in the selling process. Yeah. So what we say in in the the lending arena, when it comes to providing financing for your projects, you want to talk about it early and often. And what does that mean? Well, first, it means it needs to be visible pretty much everywhere a customer comes into contact with the contractor's business whether it be on their website, on their marketing materials, any of their promotional materials, so that when they see that contractor's name, they all they already know that financing is available. Now, the interesting thing is some customers are going to come to the table, so to speak, or you know, come to the contractor with the idea that I understand you provide financing and I need to remodel my bath and I'm going to need to borrow the money. So that's great. However, I would argue that probably most are not thinking those terms. Most are thinking purely about the project they're looking to get done. They've probably done some research on what they think the price is going to be. And so they're really want to get down to the brass tacks. What is it going to cost me to do this project with your firm? They're really focused on the price. Um, But I say it doesn't really matter which perspective that customer is coming from. The fact that if a contractor provides that financing is available or they're running a promotion, on their website and their other marketing materials, then at least the customer subconsciously knows it's there, although they might not have spent much time looking at it, reading it to evaluate the offer, because that's not their mindset. Their mindset is, I want to get the price and I'm going to write you a check. Now, as you mentioned, when we when we design out the bathroom of our project, of our dreams, or if I replace the window package that ultimately I think is the, the most beautiful window I've seen, uh, obviously, that price is probably going to come in, like I said, two to or three to four times more than what I was expecting. And that's where a lot of customers mentally object. Now, in some cases, they physically don't have the actual resources to do it. Although many do, they can go get it from somewhere. But it might mean the selling of some other investment product, whether it be uh, stocks in the stock market or cashing out gold or other investments that they don't want to do. And that's why it's so imperative that when we deliver that price, we come back and say, you know, your bathroom remodel is going to be X, that they also provide a low monthly payment and in some form, a no interest option. I can do this project for as little as X per month, or you can take advantage of our our lender's money on a no interest financing for so many months. And what that does is as soon as the customer hears that price, when they normally 
are going to suffer what I like to call sticker shock because it's now three or four times more than I was thinking it was going to be. When they hear the low monthly payment, in their mind, they're trying to rationalize the two. And they go, well, for that monthly payment, I can easily fit that into my budget. But that price seemed like a lot. Now, if the contractor also offers some form of no interest financing, call it 12 or 18 month financing, then your true cash buyer says, you know what? Instead of me parting with my money out of my bank account, let's say I was thinking I was going to do this bathroom for 10,000 and now it's going to cost me 40,000. I might have the 40,000 in savings earning me next to nothing on interest. Doesn't mean I want to part with it. I was willing to part with 10,000, but when they hear it's 40,000, we can only we can do that for less than $500 a month or you've got no interest financing for a year. A lot of those cash buyers will say, tell you what, let me take advantage of that interest-free financing. Because while I'm not earning much on my money in my savings account with today's rates, I have the peace of mind and knowing that it's still there. And I like the concept, being the cash customer, likes the concept of using other people's money for free, even if it's a nominal difference. Um, so we then are able to, to make that sale where if we just delivered the price and it was 40,000 where the con the customer's thinking it was going to be 10,000, he's likely to say, let me think about it and not get back to making that decision one way or the other. You know, I think that, uh, you know, in, in, in remodeling sales training, we talked about the three primary objections or I want to, you know, talk to someone else. I want to think about it and your price is too high. And what's interesting is when you weave in some sort of financing into your options, you know, you can address at least two of the three. And certainly the price objection is the highest one, or certainly the most, most common one that's out there. So uh, let's, let's shift gears and talk a little bit about, uh, maybe you can crack the code, Dave, for, for our listeners on, uh, you know, how homeowners qualify. You know, is is that science uh, changing dramatically with, you know, your organization, service finance or certainly others? Uh, what kind of criteria are financing companies looking at? Not so much so much for a remodeler to become expert at it, but more so that they at least can understand and be a little bit more intelligent about, you know, how you go about or how organizations go about approving people? Okay. Well, uh, not a lot has changed in, in the lending world as it pertains to underwriting. Um, I mean, when we look, it doesn't matter whether it's a company like Service Finance or your local uh, bank or credit union, they're looking first at your credit. Uh, you know, do you have the established history to justify the risk that that lender is going to take on? And then the second thing they look at is capacity. Do you have the ability to afford the monthly payment? Um, now, some lenders will provide longer term options uh, and that enables people to qualify loans where they might not have qualified because a 10 year loan term has a much lower payment than does a five year loan term, right? And then lenders offer, some lenders offer longer than that. They'll go 10, 15, and even 20 year loan terms out there. So. You know, finding a, 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 a lending partner that has longer term products can help more customers qualify. And sometimes it's not the difference between qualifying, but it's also qualifying for the amount needed. 
particularly on the more expensive projects. So you get into some more of these design build projects, the, the, the ticket size can get up there quite quickly. And there it becomes even more imperative that you have a lender that accepts longer term loans to keep those payments affordable on those, those high ticket price projects. So that's, that's the first and foremost. The second thing I would say is there are, there are prime lenders out there and then there are what I like to call near prime lenders that target customers that are, are, that are less than prime. Um, so having a good partnership there is very important as well, depending on your marketplace. Now, some companies and, and they like service finance have programs where if the customer qualifies for a prime loan, then they can get that. Uh, but if the customers had bumps and bruises in the past and is looking to reestablish their credit, that you can get that too through an association with other lenders. So making sure that you've got your basis covered uh, by number one, partnering with a, a good lender that has a variety of loan terms that'll help out. And then also if you if that partner can assist you, you being the contractor, uh, with what I like to call near prime loans so that instead of the customer just being denied, it's approved, but approved like this. So you're always coming back with an approval instead of a denial and then saying, well, let us shop around with some other options and see if we can't find somebody else to approve that loan for you. Excellent. So Dave, let's let's kind of maybe move to the final leg of our conversation on remodeling mastery today and talk, you know, as, as you sit back and again, over 20 years of experience, you know, out there kind of guiding, leading different kinds of home improvement remodelers, uh, both on the full service as well as on the uh, home improvement specialty community. If, if you had to boil it down to, you know, kind of three keys to success or three really strong bits of advice to be able to speak to these folks out there today, what might they be? Well, the three pieces of advice on on leveraging financing in their their companies. Correct. Yeah, I, I would say uh, first and foremost, understand the importance to um, the consumer that it's not necessarily about a, a customer's uh, need. It's about what they want. And they want to be able to justify their decision to splurge and get the, the project of their dreams, first and foremost. And not, not to interrupt you on that, but I think that is so key because that's where I think, Dave, a lot of the full service community falls short. And that is, this is a benefit to the client. This is not an expense to your business. You know, and just like you were saying before, there's many expenses to your business that you do because it's the cost of doing business. But in theory, at least you do it because you're you're doing it as a benefit to the client. So that's number one, big, big paradigm shift. It's a benefit to client. What's number two? Uh, I think number number two is you've got to find a partner that has the right products for what you sell and the demographics of your customer. So vetting out and making sure you've partnered with the right lending source is paramount. Excellent. So make sure, and to your earlier point, you want not only the folks that will make sure that the folks qualify, but also at least have relationships with the next generation of the, you know, the, the not necessarily prime client so that you're not put in an awkward situation. What would number three be? Uh, number three would be get the assistance where needed 
to help your organization understand how to integrate payment options into, into your process. Everything from your marketing collateral all the way through to the presentation at the kitchen table. Because the whole benefit behind providing payment options is it's designed to take the friction out of the sale. Customers are wanting to know how much it's going to cost. Many times it's going to cost more than what they've, they've thought. And therefore, now all of a sudden, they're put under pressure to figure out, can they afford to do business with you? And if so, how are they going to pay for the differential? And by providing that payment options at the time they provide the price, removes all of that friction. If they don't want to use your particular offers, they can go to their own bank or credit union and get their own money. But many times, contractors are able to put together loan products that as an individual, you couldn't get on your own through any local lending source. Well, Dave, I want to thank you for joining me on Remodeling Mastery. And again, certainly, uh, uh, I would encourage uh, reaching out to Dave Anderson or Service Finance if you want to either learn more whether this is a, you know, a viable option for you. It certainly makes sense. So many companies out there have integrated financing into their portfolio in terms of what they're doing. And I think as we move into 2021 and we're looking for ways to differentiate or separate ourselves from the pack, you know, if you're not kind of have this tool in your tool belt, you know, you might be, you know, passed up, not because you're uh, not an amazing company, but because you don't have all the tools. So again, I want to thank everybody for listening to Remodeling Mastery today and take care and I will speak to you soon. Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Sharefire Local. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.